Hey everyone, this is Miss Akimoto with your next chapter of Threads. We only have about maybe 60 pages left, so we are definitely getting near the end, and I'm sure a lot of you have started to feel the rising action, that things are getting really exciting in the story. So we're definitely starting to approach the climax of our story. And we can especially tell because yesterday, Clara, who is in the same city that Yu Ming and Jing and Lee and Kai are headed to on the bus, Sunma, she was riding up on the gondola and she found the pink factory. So she's seen it now. And we know that Yu Ming is on her way back to the fact to the same city. So it feels like their paths are about to cross again. So let's see what happens next. This is chapter 23, July 8th, Sunma, Hebei Province, China. Yu Ming. Can't stay long, Kai asks, sitting on his knees and looking back at Jing. That would be a mistake. His anger only barely masks his anxiety. I look from him to Jing to Lee, who is sleeping soundly now, his hands twitching in his lap. So then, I say, what do you suggest? For now, it's best to eat and rest. Kai brusquely unzips the backpack that he stole, filled with snack food. We have a few hours on this bus. Two, maybe three. Then, with the kite festival crowds, we can stay hidden and busy in Sunma. His smile appears forced. I began Jing's lessons while you slept this morning. Now it's time for me to start teaching you the ways of the streets. I feel relief at hearing that Kai is committed to staying with me, but I don't want to learn the ways of the streets. I squeeze my eyes shut. I recall a winter day years ago, Bolin and I had an argument on the way to school. I don't even remember what it was about, but he walked quickly down the narrow road to the schoolhouse ahead of me, his back growing smaller and smaller with every step. I slowed down, watching him speed up and ultimately disappeared from sight. Deep down, I know that no matter where I go, no matter how hard I search, I will never be able to catch up with him. My best chance of seeing him again will be to get back to Yemo Village, where he will surely come to visit someday. My mind is swimming. I glance toward Jing and Lee again. Lee's cheeks are rosy and his bony chest rises and falls deeply with each breath. It amazes me how he can sleep through anything. His innocence reminds me of myself, of how I used to be before Wai Po and Wai Gong died. I force myself to focus, to evaluate my options and measure the risks. I can do this, Wai Gong. Don't worry, Wai Po. It is possible that Mr. Zhang saw us board and will follow this bus to Sunma. And even if that's not the case, I don't want to be anywhere near that factory, I say to Kai and Jing. I think we need to immediately leave Sunma when this bus lets us off. Jing nods as though she's thinking. Kai doesn't respond. How much money do you have left? Jing whispers, trying not to wake Lee. And how did you get that anyway? A man and woman, they just handed it to me, I say. Say, only 40 yuan left. Sunma will be filled to the brim with rich tourists, Kai says. I'm not passing up an opportunity to make great money. Make money? I ask, angry now, thinking of Wai Gong and the long hours he'd spent hunched in the rice fields. Once, after we drove into town to exchange a portion of the crop for money, 
why Gong was pickpocketed. It was only after we returned home that he realized his wallet was missing. Then he remembered a young man who had stumbled into him near the government truck. The man had grasped Wai Gong for support, and Wai Gong had helped him steady himself. And just like that, all of our rice money had vanished. Yes, good girl, make money, Kai continues. Pickpocketing isn't making money, I whisper, furious. It's stealing money. How else are we supposed to survive? Kai asks me bluntly. I search my brain for an answer because there must be a better way. We could go to a different city and ask a police officer there for help. You could come south with me to Shanghai. There won't be any police on Mr. Zhang's side there. And how will we get across the country with only 40 yuan? Kai sighs in exasperation. You're going to Shanghai? Jing asks, leaning forward suddenly. I try to read the expression on her face. It's where Princess is from, Kai tells her, glaring at me. And anyway, what will become of me and Lee if we go to a police officer in any city? Lee would be taken to an orphanage, that's what. That is not the life for us, he whispers emphatically. It's true what he says. I can't picture the two of them separated. Lee in an orphanage, attending school every day and sleeping in a row of neat cots every night, while Kai prowls the street on his own. This life, he goes on, this life on the streets, it's what I know. I like it. I belong on the streets. No, I'm staying here, a few days in Sunma, and then back to Beijing, back to the streets we know. That's so close to Mr. Zhang, though, Jing says, looking from me to Kai. And close to Mama, Li mumbles, his little sleepy face sweaty, his cheeks red with heat. Kai glares in Lee's direction. I open my mouth to ask Kai about his mother, but then shut it. Kai, Jing says. She looks down at her fingers. I don't think I can stay in Stunma. It's too close to the factory. She pauses, her eyes locked on mine, before looking back at Kai. I'd never feel safe. Come with me then, I say, getting up on my knees. Nervous about her response, I look down at the cracked plastic seat of the car bus, of the bus. I don't want, I steal a glance at her. I don't want us to be separated. Jing doesn't respond and I turn to face the window. We're rumbling through a small village. Three men stand on the roadside watching our bus pass. A grandmother and a young girl on a motorcycle race by. The door to a restaurant closes behind a customer. I watch the blur of so many lives as the bus speeds forward. Shanghai is by the sea, no? Jing finally asks me. I look back at her. Yes, I tell her. Right by the sea. Is it beautiful where you come from? I nod, thinking about my golden sea. Three hours inland, the sprawling rice fields. It was a strong crop the summer that Bolin left and the fields radiated yellow. When we returned from dropping him off in Shanghai, I sat on the edge of the field where the swaying crop faded into fog-covered mountains. Fog to more fog, mountains to endless mountains, all under the white sky that stretched into forever. I remember longing for my sibling. Yes, Jing says, 
her eyes locked on mine. I'd like that. Kai huffs dismissively and sinks lower into his seat. I only nod because I have a lump in my throat. I think yet again of how I excluded Jing from our initial escape plan because I thought it would be too risky to include her. If it weren't for her solitary moment of risks and options, she would not be with me now. I cannot imagine the past days without her, and this thought frightens me. How each of our decisions leads to the next, and how everything is dependent upon whatever came before. This sure feels like a summary kind of for the book, that all these decisions are are tied together, kind of like with threads. And that every decision is dependent on the decisions that were made before. And that was dependent on what was made before. And I love that Yuming is just sort of realizing that there were all these circumstances that led her to this certain spot. And I think Clara is also going through the same thing, realizing that all these different decisions are leading her on a path. So we've only got a couple paragraphs left on this story or of this chapter. So let's see what happens next. Lee coughs and sits up, asleep and awake all at once. You all right, Lee? Jing asks, looking away from my eyes and rubbing his back. He nods and coughs some more, leaning on Jing again. She lowers her window so the breeze can wash over his sweaty face. I sit back next to Kai and watch Hebei Province slide by through the dirty bus window, thinking all the time of Shanghai, of Yemo Village of being home with Jing, and someday, Bolin. The thought makes me want to cry tears of happiness. We pass stretches of trees and small villages, a family of five all crammed onto a tractor, old men with wheelbarrows on the side of the road. I am almost home, I think. Hungrily, we gobble the food from in, from in the backpack. Eventually, the green hills around us fall away, exposing a sprawling town ahead. In the center, high above the buildings, stands a large red temple. The sky overhead is a rare, light blue. Dan Temple, Kai whispers, as if to himself. A sign on the roadside reads, Welcome to Sunma. I touch my pants pocket. I don't know the cost of a train ticket to Shanghai, but surely it is infinitely more than the 40 yuan I am carrying. Perhaps it's almost enough for two tickets? Almost enough is not enough, I imagine Waipo saying, but I can't think of her now. Her soft skin, her soft white hair, her soft lullabies. I have to focus on one thing. We need more money. And that's the end. Come back tomorrow to see what happens next.